0: welcome you're listening to activist nyc the podcast on family fm recording inside canal street radio i am your host cindy Trin. activist nyc is an ongoing documentary photo project about activism and social justice movements in new york city this podcast is an extension of my activist nyc project and will include interviews with activists organizers and political leaders in our city My goal is to learn about what motivates activists to do the hard work they dedicate their lives to and discuss the important issues surrounding the people of New York. Stay with us. No justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. My guest today is Lily Walsingham from Sunrise Movement, a movement to stop climate change and create millions of good jobs in the process. They're building an army of young people to make climate change an urgent priority across America and the corrupting influence of fossil fuel executives on our politics and elect leaders who stand up for the health and well-being of all people. They're ordinary young people who are scared about what the climate crisis means for the people and the places we love. They're gathering in classrooms, living rooms, and worship halls across the country. Lily is a 21-year-old environmental studies major at New York University, and she's from Orlando, Florida. She organizes with both Democratic Socialists of America and Sunrise Movement. To survive, she hosts and bartends at Bear Burger. Welcome to the show, Lily, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, So tell me a little bit more about Sunrise Movement. Um, You know, I've been to an action uh, with Sunrise uh, about a few months ago, I think outside of Senator Chuck Schumer's office in Midtown. Um, And I know that you all were trying to get him to sign on to a Green New Deal. And so I was wondering if you could dive into a little bit um, so that our audience can know about um first of all what sunrise movement is trying to do and what this green new deal might mean for this country
1: all right so first i'll lay out what a green new deal is so uh it's a big buzzword now since uh alexandra ocasio-cortez kind of wrote it up um, there's been a lot of framework around it especially with the presidential campaigns going on now um the green new deal is a framework um basically laying out uh, a transition to a green economy that is attempting to not leave anyone behind, which is super important because in so many uh, kind of movements before, people have been left out, especially in the environmental movement. So with the Green New Deal, it's kind of Uh, taking into account that environmental racism is a huge problem and exacerbating all the effects people um, in frontline communities and communities of color are feeling and it's uh, allocating resources specifically to those communities that need it most it's recognizing that uh, coal miner coal miners and everyone who's in the fossil fuel industry will be losing their livelihoods in the next few years and we have to take care of them make sure that they are trained for new jobs um, it's making sure that we not only transition uh, to clean energy, but that that transition is just and isn't hurting, Um, you know, not only communities of color, like I said, who have bared the brunt of uh, environmental racism, but also, you know, like the Global South, who also uh, sees most of the effects of what's happening. Um, So Sunrise is really working to kind of promote the Green New Deal, to educate the public on what a Green New Deal is, and how we can transition into a Green New Deal. Because when you hear, like, mass structural change, that's terrifying. That's, to everyone who's listening to this, it's your way of life changing, and that's just going to happen. But we're trying to make that less scary. We're trying to help people understand that um, this isn't going to be the destruction of your way of life it's going to be a transition into a new way of life where everyone can prosper instead of just a few billionaires
0: yeah and i think it's about really educating those people that are like from families of coal miners and the fossil fuel industry because from their perspective they're seeing it as their jobs are going to be taken away right so how are we going to educate these people like no, like we can create new jobs. Like there could be new jobs with green energy. Um, what is Sunrise doing? Like I know, like in Sunrise's about page, um, you know, y'all you are going into classrooms and, and trying to educate people. So, what are the kinds of um, you know methods that Sunrise is is doing to educate people about like green energy and new technology that could create new jobs?
1: Well, we're out here protesting. You know, um, we're getting arrested. We're raising public awareness. We're uh, handing out literature, but also another huge important part is we're showing solidarity with labor. We're attempting to go out there and befriend these coal miners, befriend the fossil fuel workers, because they aren't the enemy as much as uh, people want to pit us against each other. We're not enemies. We're going to have to work together for the same common goal. So part of that education is so showing solidarity with these people who are going to lose their jobs, which is uh, a huge part of, sorry, a huge part of what we're trying to do, especially with these mass movements. Um, and I know we've been a little lacking with showing support for labor, but that's a huge focus, uh, especially for NYC in these few uh, next coming months is, kind of being there to show solidarity because our words mean nothing if we're not there actively doing the work to help these workers transition into a better future and that's also part of why we're um, so for a Green New Deal is because it lays out the infrastructure to uh, train people who are going to lose their livelihoods and possible new jobs Um, to make sure that if they're earning twenty dollars an hour, we're going to try and get them a position that's earning twenty dollars or more. You know, we're making sure that there's no uh, gaps in how you can care for your family just because we're having to switch over to a green economy.
0: I think that's that. See, that's uh, to me a big fighting point because um, what I see from you know the Republican conservative base is you know, they're telling. They're telling these people like, oh, you're gonna lose your jobs if we're gonna try to employ green energy. You're gonna lose your jobs, you're gonna lose your jobs. And everyone hates the sound of that, right? Mm -hmm. Immigrants are taking your jobs. Like environmentalists are taking (laughs) your jobs. It's like, you know, it's like, so um, I think in order to really get like a mass base, like understanding, to understand like what a Green New Deal actually entails, um it doesn't entail losing your job no right no. It, it 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 can create new jobs it can create even more jobs which i think should be a really big strong point in our messaging to to these people um to people that are scared you know and, and i i have every like i have so much understanding for for people who are really scared to lose their jobs and um you know, our our planet is changing, right, so Mm -hmm. fast, and it's hard to adapt to that change, but if we don't change it, then that would mean the destruction of the entire (laughs) world, right? Yeah. Um, (laughs) And so it's like, how, how do we go up against these Republicans or these, you know, people who are saying, climate change isn't real, climate change is a hoax, you know, look, how, how do we go, uh, what do we do to, to, you know, educate people and to tell them like, okay, climate change is real. I mean, we're presenting all the facts, we're presenting science, but some people don't can't, can't understand that or like sure. they don't want to believe it. Like, so how do we, how do we get over this huge hurdle of trying to even convince people that climate change is real? So this is a very personal. <laughs> yeah, that's a <laughs> very
1: personal fight yeah. for me. Um, half of my family uh, still does not believe in climate change, wow. even though they uh, lost their homes in Hurricane Michael, which <gasps> is one of the, you know, first yeah. kind of uh, on our shores environmental problem we've seen past like Katrina and Maria. And um, you're from Florida. Yes. And yeah. I'm from Florida. Which and is
0: like hurricanes capital. <laughs> yeah.
1: And my grandfather even worked in the Fish and Wildlife Service for Florida. So I'm like he's out in nature, he's seen these changes. And that's one thing that I've had to learn um especially as an activist is that some people just aren't going to change. Especially mm. with such a terrifying um possibility, you know, such a terrifying future. Some people are just aren't going to want to believe in it and you know what? There's nothing we can do to change that. And like getting past that hurdle was the first kind of uh, challenge for me, because you want, you want to say, no, this isn't an something you can have an opinion on. This is facts. This is looking at the science. This is, we've had like three of the hottest months ever recorded. And th- just this year, like we're past uh, climate denialism, but that's the thing. It's like, we're past it. So just ignore those people. They're going to just there's nothing we can do to change their minds and they're just standing in the way. So if we try and work around them, if we say I'm not going to expend my energy on people who aren't even going to change, um, then we can actually put that energy towards people who are uh, maybe in the middle, people who don't necessarily understand. But if you sat down and had a conversation with them and showed some uh, effects of climate change, they'd be like, yeah, you know what? This is terrifying, I wanna fight. Those are the people that we need to be focusing our energy on. Um, as much as (laughs) you do want to call these people out Mm -hmm. at this point. um, When I face a climate denialist, I just kind of go, no, no, I'm, I'm not even putting up with it. This is false. This is, you know, like climate change is happening. There's no other solution.
0: I agree. I mean, I feel like sometimes like trying to fight with someone who won't ever budge on their stance, it's like talking to a brick wall. Mm -hmm. Right. And if they're gonna ignore facts and they're gonna ignore like reality, then I can't help them realize reality, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I'm not I'm not their their savior to do that. Um, so but I I, I want to go into what you just mentioned with your dad. So, how is that like at home? Like, you don't talk about it at all. You don't talk about the work that you do because your is your dad just very unresponsive and. <laughs> actually um
1: so the grandparents I mentioned are on my mom's side and she's very different from them she's all supported uh, supportive of me um whenever I send her articles or anything she reads up on them um she's talking about it in her classroom because she's a teacher so my parents are super supportive and I'm so thankful for that but um this has created a divide in my family like I don't necessarily communicate with that side of my family because there's there's way more problems than just climate denialism but that makes it hard when they can look at all the work you're doing and going like (laughs) you're stupid what is this all for (laughs) you know yeah
0: i mean how did you so then how did you get into this work like what brought you here and and what brought you to sunrise movement why did you get involved with them
1: Oh, it's been a l- it's been a long road. Um, so like I said, my grandfather was in the Fish and Wildlife Service, so my mom was also very into nature um, and she we used to go out fishing in the woods in Sanford a lot every <laughs> <laughs> all the time. Um, and we just enjoy being outside. And I remember uh, when Barack Obama was running for president the first time. Uh, my mom mentioned a hole in the ozone layer and for an elementary schooler, I think it was in like third grade. Uh, I was terrified. Like I didn't understand, but I still knew like, this is my future. And if these people above me don't do something, it's going to be too late for me. Um, so that was kind of my first awakening to climate activism, um, and you know when like the march on Wall Street and stuff started happening, and like the um, one percent, the occupy, occupy Wall there Street. we go yeah. occupy Wall Street. <laughs> um, my mom was involved with that, and she brought me with her. So that was kind of my awakening to oh, activism. How old, were,
0: how old were you when you went oh. to occupy? Oh,
1: I was still elementary school. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> you know, all these yeah. dates are hard to, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you know, in middle school we had. Telecom, the whale at SeaWorld, and I was, like, up front, like, (laughs) free Tilly! (laughs) So I have a little activist spirit. um, But coming to NYU, um, you know, especially during high school, you're worrying about getting into college, so my little activist heart was kind of just put put on the back burner. But coming to school and especially um, finding – where I belong in this environmental studies major, it's kind of made me realize, like, uh, nothing's going to happen if we don't get on the streets. So I started, uh, my friend Bill, well, okay, I started working on our NYU Divest, so we're trying to get NYU to divest, and through that, my friend Bill brought me into um, YDSA, or Young Democratic Socialists of America, and um, I was kind of their climate person there, uh, working on the Green New Deal, and eventually... One of my now good friends, uh, or two of them, Jilly and Justine, who are both uh, leaders in the NYC Sunrise Hub, um, invited us to do like a little rally. And, you know, that was my first time speaking. I sucked. It was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, you live and you learn. And next thing you know, uh, Jilly texts me and she's like, hey, um, would you want to get arrested? And I was like, for what? And she's like, you know, Green New Deal. We're going in front of Chuck Schumer's office, and there's going to be a few of us getting arrested, trying to get him to understand. And I was like, yeah, you know what? This is important. Sign me up. I'm there. Um, and, you know, it's been downhill ever since. I've been super involved since those first few
0: actions, and I'm loving it. That's great. <laughs> like, I So <laughs> you mentioned Occupy. <laughs> that was in 2011 um i was i was heavily involved in occupy by the way yeah that was kind of i mean i had started activism before but that that to me occupy kind of like really solidified my involvement in the new york activist community and um you know uh, that that really shows the difference in our ages (laughs) (laughs) when you're like i I was in elementary school when (laughs) (laughs) when you went to occupy but um you know, I think a lot of us, that's why I love hearing th- people's different stories about how they got involved, because like a lot of us, I think we have similar, you know, uh, like background. Like I I came from an immigrant background, well, refugee actually, my mom's a refugee. And I grew up in California. So like for me, like I was always in the ocean. I mm-hmm. was always like in the mountains. That's the great thing about California is It's wonderful for nature and landscape. It's gorgeous there. (laughs) So, I think for me, like, why I I really felt like I need to care about the environment, the climate, is because, like, I grew up with those things and I can't imagine not having that in the future. Mm -hmm. Like, that would be so depressing if we couldn't surf in our oceans anymore, or if we can't go hiking, or we can't go snowboarding in the mountains, and we can't, you know, enjoy a boat ride on the lake because our planet is dying yeah (laughs) Um, like to me that sounds so depressing and i would think that a lot of people that live in this country who enjoy our nature enjoy our landscape enjoy our national parks would also feel the same way and you know like if you like going to Yosemite or Yellowstone or Zion or any of these wonderful nat- natural parks, like you would think that they would care about our climate and our environment, right? Um, but as we're seeing, like President Donald Trump, right, he's gutting funding for our national parks. He's mm-hmm. gutting funding for all this, and it makes me it makes me s- so upset because. I don't understand how anyone can hate nature. <laughs> <laughs> who hates nature except for Trump and billionaires? Yeah, <laughs> billionaires who care only about money, right? Um, so it's just—it just really feels like we're in a crisis. We are in a crisis, and and so I want to get into um, the last few weeks that we've seen. Um, we had the climate strike happen. We had the UN Climate Summit happen here in New York, and you know there's a lot of actions right now, like like currently this week, Extinction Rebellion's doing um, their long week of climate action. They're another uh, climate justice group. So I mean, what what does Sunrise, you know, like what what is Sun- what does Sunrise have planned like around these next like not just like weeks and months, but for the years to come, like. Where can we take this energy that we've had the last few weeks with the strike and with uh, everything, um, and how can we move forward? Yeah.
1: Um, so just for this month, uh, on October 19th at 11 a.m., uh, we have a coalition launch between Sunrise, DSA, and New York Communities for Change in uh, food and water action. Um, so that's something to look out for. It's going to be pretty fun. Uh, we're going to be focusing on like picketing Cuomo and stuff. Um, we're all environmentally based, um, organizations. So we're working on building that people power and that community power. And that kind of leads up to what you're asking, what can we do? And it's like, we need to, get on the streets. We need to have more mass protests. We need to have um, strikes. This is why labor is so important. Why MTA workers are so important. Why teachers and nurses are so important because these are the people who can actually shut stuff down. And uh, that's the only way we're going to uh, get the change we need is to actually make sure like transportation stops, um, make sure that we have a big enough holdup that these people who are usually unreachable are like, oh, my money is being affected. Now I know people aren't just going to let me continue doing what I'm doing. So those are the next few stages for Sunrise is working on building more mass protests like we saw um, this past these past few weeks, um, which have been truly inspiring. When you look at the numbers, I think after um, – because it was kind of too – separate weeks of just rolling protests um every friday uh we, i think there were over six million people worldwide which is crazy it was so uh yeah, just inspiring amazing, yeah. yeah
0: i saw images from around the world and i was just like blown away like yeah. i mean it, r- it reminded me right of women's march back mm-hmm. a few years ago when it went the first one um like the numbers are staggering and that shows you right that like this is something that's important to a lot of people um and i love i love the fact that it's all youth-led like yourself yeah right um so tell me about that like like what do you think about the fact that our kids (laughs) are leading us now (laughs) like you know we've got 16 year old greta Thunberg being a leader in this world like how is it that the children have become the leaders and the leaders have suddenly become children? (laughs) No, like, first, I want to say
1: I'm so inspired by these people. Um, Not only Greta, but all, you know, the young indigenous uh, workers who have been doing this for their entire lives, to little Miss Flint, Marie. uh, Yeah, like, you know, there's so many youth activists who have been, doing this for so long and I think that's so inspiring to have that passion and that drive at this age because I felt the same way and I'm like I didn't really know what to do with that energy but on the other hand it breaks my heart that we're having to force these kids not even having to force these kids but that these kids feel like this is their only option they're having to fight for their lives and I remember how depressed and heartbroken and just hopeless I felt as a kid and that was before we even saw that every prediction scientists made are not only being met but being exceeded uh, in uh, magnitude I just that climate anxiety is real and I'm so heartbroken for all of these kids who are having to go through that and the worst part is that uh, people aren't giving us hope like it's we've had to find hope ourselves like that's one thing activism really pulled me out of a dark place like i had no hope i was oh horribly depressed it's like even thinking about it i'm like feeling an it uh, but that lack of hope just makes it so much worse which is why um This is going to be a little shameless plug, but like the one person who's brought me hope has been Bernie and like this whole movement for a Green New Deal. Like it's really um, shown not only myself and other activists, but also I hope it's shown all these kids who are worried that, you know, we're here, we're caring, we're going to fight for you. Like we're not just going to let your future become some dystopian wasteland that you have to live through, even though you weren't even around when 90% <laughs> of the carbon was produced.
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I mean, just like thinking about what you just said right now. Um, first of all, I am thoroughly impressed by the youth of our world. Like mm-hmm. I, I can't even imagine what it feels like right now to be, someone that is a young person and having to see like how dire the circumstances is, how our people, like our leaders that are supposed to be taking care of us, how they failed in every single regard, right? And as someone who is of like a a generation, I'm, I'm 36, so I'm in that generation where, um, i t- i should be having kids right okay. and and i don't don't know i don't know if i want to have kids like why do i want to bring kids into this planet that will just die yeah <laughs> like if we're not doing anything about climate change and we're not doing anything about the fact that our world is dying like why would i want to even bring kids into into this planet and, and i've heard like other people my age say the same thing like they're not looking to have kids now because they have no hope for the future and that is deeply disturbing and deeply depressing but then what about the kids that already are here on this planet like we need to do something for them yeah and and that's why I I love seeing all the youth, and I love Greta as well. I think she's uh, an amazing symbol, an amazing icon, an amazing representative for the youth, but I also know that she is very appealing for the media Mm -hmm. and they love focusing on that white savior narrative exactly (laughs) and so like we need to focus right on these indigenous communities that have been fighting this for a very long time i mean i was um i was very active in many of the protests in new york during standing rock yes and, you know, these indigenous warriors, they've been doing this work for their whole lives. Yeah. Like their whole freaking lives. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's not just, it's not just uh, Greta. It's, it's so many other people coming together and and working towards this. And um, that's why I really like Green New Deal and how it really addresses environmental racism because when we think about natural disasters when we see natural disasters which communities does it affect the most it always affects the m- most poor mm-hmm. and the communities of color mm-hmm. right so um, you know what wh- what can what can we do to better like help these communities these poor impoverished communities of color what can we do for them I think the best thing you can do is
1: listen, especially if you are a white activist and you're going into these communities thinking that you're going to change things. Don't. You need to go in with open ears and you need to listen to what these communities need, because these people are living there. They're going to know what they need uh, best. And it's not your job to go in and say, no, 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 we have to do it this way, because that's just another form of colonialism and the environmental movement is already um a very white very upper class or middle class privileged movement and when you're when the whole basis of the movement is fighting for the exact opposite for people of color frontline communities indigenous communities like we have to realize that we can't be the leaders always here like we have to let the people who are experiencing this step up and take the lead if they so choose. Like that's not saying, Oh, we have to put all of this leadership on people who don't necessarily want it. But like when you have people who are coming forward saying, Hi, this is what I want and this is how I can do it, um, I just need resources, I just need groundwork, I just need people there holding signs. It's like, yes. That's what we want to do. And we need to stand in solidarity, especially when indigenous communities are out there, frontline communities, because they're also going to be the biggest target of police brutality, of um, inhumane use of force. And they're going to be the ones taking that. Where um, when you look at kind of white-led protests, they're not being
0: uh, pepper sprayed. That's (laughs) so true. You know? I mean, look at Standing Rock. Yeah, that was
1: heartbreaking they
0: were being shot with rubber bullets with water cannons they were being beaten like i mean do you ever see that happen with a white-led protest or a white-led movement like no you just don't so i i you know i always try to tell like my white friends and colleagues like to not just show up but to be good allies right to be like like y- showing up is only like half the battle. Like um, using your privilege to help those communities of color and those impoverished and poor communities that need it the most, that is where y- allyship can be the most useful and be mm-hmm. the most like um, beneficial for for these people. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, you're right. You're absolutely right. Like uh, these communities, they are more at risk of mm-hmm. being hurt, of being like physically and forcefully um, pushed back. you know, so how do we then in turn uh, counter that? How do we come back to that? and and I think that's 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 the difficult part about protesting and activism, especially in this country where, Um, even though we're supposed to be, even though like activism protesting in the streets is supposed to be celebrated in our constitution, it's not. Yeah. It's still seen as something negative as, as it's always portrayed as something, um, You know not good right it always has that bias that like protesters or activists are disrupting you know the norm which is what we're trying to do like actually we're trying to disrupt the business as usual but people don't like that they don't want their routines to be disrupted right um so i i I don't know if you have any thoughts about how to change that narrative i mean that's why i started this project is because i hope to change that narrative and to talk about how being an activist or coming or out to the streets and protesting is a good thing. Yeah. Right. And I think it's starting to. I think um I think after Trump got elected, um, people are realizing like they they need to show up, they need to come out. And I do see like more numbers of people out in the streets now than I did pre Trump. So I'm hoping like it pushes people in the right direction. But I also hope that like You know, Trump won't be around forever, but the systemic racism and oppression and colonial imperialist, like, you know, ways of America will still be here. Like Trump isn't just the only problem. Yeah. Right. Trump (laughs) is only like a consequence of the problem. Um, We still have to keep showing up. Right. We still have to keep like getting people involved and getting people to, to come out. So. Like, wh- what do you think? How do you think uh, we can get people to continually be involved and to keep their interests up um, with these issues?
1: Well, first, we have to make activist spaces understanding spaces. So um, I know, and this is not uh, targeting out Sunrise or anything, it's just any national um, uh, organizing community community. Uh, is not always going to be the most receptive place to learning, to people who have not fully come to these conclusions. And we have to realize people are here because they feel a drive. Um, And it's almost our jobs as activists in these communities to take them in and go, hi, um, I'm so happy you're here, but this thinking contributes to white supremacy. This thinking contributes to these oppressive systems that we have going on. And here's how they do that. And here's how we can combat it. And as an activist, especially if you are a white activist coming into these organizations, when somebody calls you out, don't get upset. Don't cry. Don't get angry. Say, I'm sorry. What can I do better next time? And you need to learn from that. Um, but also as activists we need to make our spaces accessible so many times I'm looking at events on Facebook or whatever and they don't have accessibility information they don't have if there's wheelchair ramps they don't have if there's a bathroom a wheelchair wheelchair can fit in they don't have um, elevators if it's on another floor they don't have if there's elevators there um, they don't necessarily have child care which is a huge thing we need to realize um, a lot of spaces don't have food and it's at dinner time and some of these people that you're asking to come out uh are living below the poverty line and they may not you know have the resources to come out after work when they're starving and tired and sit in a meeting for 2 hours without food there um there's so many things we can do like this it's not activist spaces and friend space and family space this is All one space. Your activist friends are your family. Like, you know, we have to start treating each other as family because this society is working to tear us apart, to make us feel like everyone is other just because of your skin color, your sexuality, or where you came from, or your gender identity. They're all trying to separate on these different um, uh, factors, and we have to realize that we should. All be caring for each other, especially in these trying times.
0: Yeah, that's what I always say too. Is that we need to be there for each other. We need solidarity. We need, we need to be there for communities that aren't personally involved, that we're not personally like involved or doesn't touch on us personally. But I still want to show up for you know Black Lives Matter, and mm-hmm. I still want to show up for um, you know the. Uh, like whatever other crises there's uh, going on right now that aren't necessarily like personally involved with me, but I still feel like you know, there we we're all like minorities, like and especially like people of color and LGBTQIA folk, like we all have um similarities in our experiences in that we are constantly being oppressed by white supremacy. Mm-hmm. So just because of that commonality, I think it's the best it's The best solution is to, for us to come together. Because, you know, the powers that be up top with the white supremacists, they want to cut us down. They want to yeah. divide us, right? So the best thing for us to do is to c- band together and fight in numbers.
1: Yeah, especially because most of these problems are related. like um, So related. Yeah, one talking point, especially with this election, is that... Um, the climate issue is only a single issue, which is why we had the problem with getting a climate debate and why we have the CNN town hall. Um, but we have to realize it's not like uh, this Green New Deal affects, you know, nitro with public housing. Like we're going to need public housing and we're going to need um, uh, to redo like how we build buildings using uh uh reusable resources and permeable concrete and stuff like that so we don't get runoff and it's uh medicare for all because we have pollution causing insanely high asthma rates in communities of color um it's you know all these food deserts growing food and especially with incoming changing weather patterns and heat rising like food is going to be harder to grow and we already have um communities in food deserts where they can't get fresh vegetables and fruits like it's
0: all connected oh my god! You just <laughs> said it completely how I would say it too. You're right. You're uh, like I totally agree. <laughs> like you're you're very very smart. Thank you so Thank much you. for being here. Um, I'm I'm really glad that I was able to have you on this show, and I just wanna like know what your plans are for the future like your environmental studies right now like what do you plan to do with that in the future I mean I feel like you deserve to like to be like somewhere really up there (laughs) I mean like like I can't believe that you're just 21 and you're more like you're more knowledgeable and you're more like like you know like Fluid and all these issues than many adults that I've talked to. So I just want to say, like, I really, really am, like, impressed by you. And I'm really (laughs) glad that you're here. And, you know, I hope that, like, the the other youth um, that are in this fight are just as amazing as you. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so just like you know, let me know like what what so yeah, what are your plans for the future? What do you want to do with your environmental studies degree? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, first I want to thank you for giving me a big head right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I I really want to go into community organizing and I want to dedicate my time like my life to this because this is something I'm very passionate about and um that's why I'm so knowledgeable. I've spent a lot of time researching this. You know, I'm getting my degree in something that will help me. Um, in this you know I think about it when I wake up I rant about it to my friends and I think about it before I go to sleep so (laughs) Um, but yeah community organizing or hopefully something along the lines of just changing the world because we we need that change we need it now we need it desperately and I hope to be just one of the few factors because like you said all of my friends in this movement too are just as amazing and awesome, and I just <laughs> love them all. and want to shout them all out. Aww, yeah, <laughs>
0: that's sweet. Okay, so where can we learn more about Sunrise Movement? Where can people like go and find like information about Sunrise, like just the website on social media? Like, where's it get? Where's the best way to get a hold of? sunrise or even yourself if you're okay with that mm-hmm.
1: all right yeah um so if you want to learn more about sunrise um you can just google sunrise movement should be the first link up there um that's to m- learn more about national they also have a really good twitter presence i think it's just sunrise uh, MVMT. i'm not exactly sure on the handle but if you just look up sunrise movement you'll see the national twitter we also have sunrise nyc which is uh the sunrise hub i'm part of um and you can also find them on Facebook to keep in touch with events and stuff we're doing locally. Um I'm also on Twitter at snakes aren't real no apostrophes or anything.
0: <laughs> 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 just that. I um, like that handle. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it looks like um so Sunrise Movement's like national website is just sunrisemovement.org and I think on their website they have um you know, a way to enter your email address so you can get connected to the movement and they have all their information about um, social media and where people can uh, reach out to them, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you again so much for being here. I, I uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. I'm really, really now hopeful for the youth of this country and I hope that um the youth can continue this this movement and continue to drive it so thank you again lily really appreciate it
1: thank you for having me (laughs)
0: yeah and thank you everyone for joining us at activist nyc the podcast your support is much appreciated activist nyc the podcast is presented in partnership with listening party the creators of family fm follow the crew on instagram at listening party presents and at canal street market be sure to follow Activist NYC on Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr at ActivistNYC. Tune in next time.